Welcome back to Cloud and Clear. I have a very special guest, a good friend of mine, the founder and CEO of Haiku. Welcome, Simon Taylor. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so good to have you. I'm glad we're going to see each other in person soon. Oh, I can't wait. I wish we could do it in person right now, but, you know, it's uh, at least great to see you virtually this afternoon. That's right. That's right. And uh, look, I think the timing of this is fantastic because a few months into the relationship now, formally, we're seeing some great results. I mean, you are one of the rising stars, uh, as is Haiku, of this ecosystem. I think the audience has tons to learn from your journey and, and experience uh, in the space. Uh, fresh off Series A, I believe, $90 million, Bain. I mean, it doesn't get better than that in, in the sort of startup, startup community. So congrats on all of that. Thank you so much, Tony. It's been a wild ride for sure. We're thrilled to be here. Some people see that as like the destination, but I know you see that as a great amount of responsibility. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think I think you were actually one of my first calls, believe it or not, after the uh, the $87.5 million Bain transaction, you know, and I, I remember we had this conversation and you asked me about, you know, is this it? You know, and, and I kind of laughed and said, you know, I literally went from the due diligence process, slept for four hours, got up, did a bunch of calls, and it was sort of back at it, uh, which is exactly how it should be because, you know, raising money is a terrific way of making sure you can give your team the resources they need, but that's what raising money is. You know, it's it's certainly not a destination. Uh, it's just a critical component to the journey. I know you look at Bain as strategic, smart money, right? So let's tell the audience what Haiku is all about. I mean, they're putting money in it, so much money in, in such an early stage in your in your journey. What is what does Haiku do and what's so, what's so special about it? No, absolutely. Thanks, Tony. You know, uh, it, it's true. We're actually the largest A round in Bain Capital Ventures history, which was a, a real honor for us. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of reasons for it, I think. You know, the first is that Haiku is the currently the world's fastest growing multi multi cloud backup as a service vendor. Um, we're in 2,700 accounts in 78 countries. We've only been in business for three years, uh, and we've got a 91 NPS score. And really, really simply, we had two major goals when we founded the business. And the first was to provide a truly consumerized public cloud SaaS experience when it came to data protection. And the second was what we call equivalency, which was this idea that you know it shouldn't be the case, as it is with many vendors, that your on-premises backup and recovery solution is going to work, you know, 100% on-prem and 50% in the public cloud. You know, what we saw was that there was going to be this massive migration to the public cloud and that people were always going to keep some of their data on-prem. And I think that's really borne itself out. And the level of equivalency that we built into our SaaS data protection offering actually means that no matter where you keep your data, as you're migrating your data, as you're creating disaster recovery as a service with your data, you can do all of this through Haiku Protege in the blink of an eye. It's incredibly simple to use. It, there's an incredible devotion to simplicity across the company. Um, and I think coming at the data protection market from the standpoint of we want it to be really simple means that more people in more roles can turn it on and start protecting their data. And obviously, you know, with all the ransomware attacks that we're seeing recently, Data protection has never been more important with the massive flight to public cloud, uh, being able to access your data from the public cloud and back it up in the public cloud has never been more important. 
And um, I think that's really the name of the game. It's keeping it simple. It's providing customers with true data protection. Um, somebody asked me actually, Tony, recently, what is your why? And you know what I got to was and where we as an executive team at Haiku, what we did is we sat down and we talked about it. And we all agreed that our why is that everyone deserves to feel safe. You know, plain and simple. Everyone in the world deserves to feel safe. Whether you've got a massive IT infrastructure and a massive IT organization to support you, or a small one. These ransomware attacks are truly criminal. And if we can block them, if we can get you your data back, uh, if we can protect you, that's why we're in this business. Yeah, I think obviously there's uh, an effect of a rising tide lifting lifting all the boats. Certainly, you're in, you're in the same space that we are, which is in the world of public cloud transformation, massive amounts of migration all happening at the same time. I think for many years, though, that was creating a little bit of a false sense of security in the eyes of customers and, and IT leaders in that, like, by virtue of being in the cloud, you're like, well, if Google's secure, it means we're fine. If AWS is secure, it means we're fine. Maybe you don't need backup in this new world, right? Like, that was kind of the original thesis. But you saw something years ago that you're obviously capitalizing on, on it now. Like, what was that moment? You were president of, of Comtrade. Back in the days, like that was your last uh, role before before Haiku. What gave you the idea to start this type of company and to provide this kind of service? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And in fact, I was running a, a monitoring company, Comtrade Software, that we sold to Citrix in 2014. And um, you know, my my CTO and co-founder of Haiku, uh, we were both in Las Vegas, and so we sat down at the Gordon Ramsay restaurant, and we're you know, kind of, you know, enjoying the, the fine, uh, fine uh, flavors and dishes of Gordon Ramsay. And uh, I looked at Gordon and I said, Gordon, you've been in the data protection industry now for 30 years, right? He's a little bit older than I am. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I said, I just don't get it. I said, I look at these backup products and they're so confusing. They look so complicated. And he said, well, it's data protection. This isn't monitoring. You know, this is mission critical stuff, Simon. And I said, yeah, but, you know, everything is getting simpler. And, and, you know, but at the beginning of the dinner, we were on opposite sides of the spectrum around this. By the end of the dinner, we both agreed that there was a massive need in the market to remove what my co-founder Gordon calls the cockpit of the plane approach, which is you throw all these knobs and dials into the data protection service and you just sort of hope for the best. You hope people will figure it out. You hope people will um, hire the right professional services folks to install it, deploy it, configure it. And, you know, ultimately what we, what we started to think about was what if you kept all of that intelligence, but you put it behind the curtain. And I, I sort of liken Haiku, Tony, to, um, to, the, to those old 1980s uh, 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 stereo systems and, and the way that these systems have evolved over time. So the legacy data protection vendors are like the 1980s stereo systems with all those graphic equalizers across the sides. And, you know, you'd spend hours and hours setting these damn things up and some kid would come in and, you know, push all the knobs down and you lose all of that intelligence. Well, now we don't do that, right? We get in our car, we play jazz, maybe you hit Bose Boost, but ultimately the system is more intelligent today than it was yesterday, but all of the knobs and dials are hidden behind the curtain. So I think, I think you know, figuring out that we needed to remove that from the user interface and we needed to build a policy-based system that was truly SaaS meant that what we were really building was something that emulated infrastructure as a service. 
effectively we were doing for secondary storage what the public clouds were doing in some ways, you know, for primary. Um, so I think that's that's sort of the genesis of this. But but I think you were, you brought up another point, which is, you know, when we launched, we had so many people call us and say, we don't need this. We're in the public cloud. Why did you build backup for the public cloud? And and it was so frustrating. Um, and, and and it wasn't until I was at a conference and I and I was I was listening to somebody speak and and they said they they, they threw up the statistic and, it, and I think it changed our business certainly changed my career. They said eighty five percent of data loss comes from human error, and it was like that's the message. That's what people don't understand when they think about public cloud. They're thinking, well, Google's not going to go away. It's not going to disappear. It's not going to fall into the ocean. I must be fine. But the challenge is if somebody comes to work one day and deletes a database, if you're if you get hacked and somebody shuts down or freezes you out of your system and you've got no uh, secondary, if you've got no way to recover, you're in a real heap of trouble. And I, and I think once we started to message it that way and folks started to massively migrate to the cloud during COVID, suddenly the business really took off. And, you know, we did a, we did accomplish 450 percent year over year growth. last wow. year. Wow. Congratulations. So, yeah, it's been, it's been wild. It's been a lot of fun. Also, the opportunity to have cloud diversity, right? Primary here, backup somewhere else. I think that back in the days, companies got really big on like a one cloud strategy. But now, I, I remember like Snapchat, you know, like 100% on Google. It was like one of the biggest companies built on Google at the time. And they got away with it for a long time, but even someone who's sort of like all in on one now starts to feel the pressure from investors, their board, customers, the market, whatever, to say you can't have just one. So I think that's also I think the great flexibility that Haiku Haiku brings. But but I like what you said about the this, the distinction between what the high, hyperscalers will provide. Well, of course they're not going to go down, but. There's all these things like when we implement a new customer on GCP, the first thing we do is do what we call like a landing zone, which half the work is around security, uh, right? Authentication, identity, structure, because like human error is human error. And like the concept of least privilege and everything else, despite that mistakes still happen. And I think what you're bringing to the table in terms of ease of use, and ease of validation. And I remember this, like I'm not, you know, I haven't been around for 30 years in the space, but long enough to remember back up in the old days. And I, I also remember like the mechanical process of backing up. People felt so good when they were like swapping tapes or got the logs that looked good. It's not the backup that makes sense. Uh, that makes them, it makes the difference. It's your ability to restore if something goes down. Yes. Yes. It's the recovery. Not enough people. It's like, doesn't matter if the fly, if plane is flying well if you can't land it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. You, you know, it's it's so great that you 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 mentioned that when we when we did our round with Bain, you know, the chairman of our board became Enrique Salem, who's I always joke he's like the godfather of the backup industry. You know, former CEO of Symantec, you know, Veritas. The guy's done absolutely everything in the data protection space. A wonderful, wonderful human being as well, by the way. And uh, one of the things Enrique is always pointing out in every interview is it's just about the recovery. You know, we, 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 calling it backup as a market is a misnomer, you know, because backup is the easy part. You know, it's how do you recover? Um, and, and getting back to something else that you said, I think the vendor lock-in piece is critical. 
um, and avoiding it is critical. And I think, you know, uh, obviously you and I are both big fans of Google Cloud. And I think they've done an exceptional job because I think almost from day one, their messaging was not, you know, you're only ever going to use this. We want you to use this, but you might not. And we want to make sure that you've got the tools and the equipment and the support to manage your entire environment. I think there are other, you know, vendors out there, and we won't name names, who are much more focused on singular cloud strategies. And I think they were a little late to the party when it came to multi-cloud. And I think that, you know, that was damaging to some extent. And I think to some extent, that is why we're seeing Google Cloud growing so fast today. Yeah, you know, Kubernetes standards help. And I think Anthos has been their very proactive view around supporting both hybrid and multi-cloud. The other vendors didn't talk about multi-cloud till like last year, you know, as if like it was a new thing. But I think uh, I see I see deep correlation around how Google sees the role of Anthos and how like in the operation space of like how do you operate containers and sort of haiku in the backup space is how do you how do you operate your backup like choose your destination. We think you'll choose Google more often than not, but you know, choose choose whatever. And I think that's a really powerful message because it's important to make customers feel like they have a choice, that they have commercial leverage, right? Like these are important concepts as as operators of IT environments, especially whose job is, you know, to, to sh- certainly ensure security and uptime, but also cost containment is a really important part of the job. So um, I think uh, leading with a product market fit that's customer first is a really smart, you know, long-term strategy. And I think that's where your solution is very differentiated because customers can also choose like their own construct where where they put the data. It's not being stored at Haiku's hyperscale data center somewhere. Yeah, we call it bring your own storage, and I and I do think that in our industry, unfortunately, there's been a, a, a very strange trend towards backup vendors buying enormous amounts of AWS mostly and then reselling it as their own cloud. You know, our view is we never want to store your data. We never want to touch your data. We want all of your data backed up via your credentialing. So we integrate with IAMs in Google Cloud so that you can use your security protocol, your password. We never see it. We never touch it. It's your data. It's your storage. All we do is provide you with the service inside of Google Cloud that will let you, you know, spin up your data from on-prem, do your lift and shift. You, we can even convert it now into containers through our GKE integration. You know, so we got the Kubernetes covered there. And then we can back it up and allow you to restore all of these mission-critical applications. I, I mean, I always tell the story, Tony, you and I are both, you know, in this, in this, in this same space. And we've seen Google do so well with the SAP uh, customer base, right? And, and you know, when people turn on Haiku and they see, wait, it's four clicks to uh, to migrate an entire SAP HANA instance from on-prem to Google Cloud, and it's three clicks to actually restore if there's an issue. I mean, the shock that you actually see in people's faces um, is it really lights me up. I mean, I think that those are the things that get me very excited is when you realize you really are making a difference. You really are helping these customers to have a better Google Cloud experience. And obviously getting to do that with SADA and the great folks on your team just you know makes it all the better because it means that there's there are true sort of hand-in-hand partners who we know will take care of the customer. There's nothing worse than feeling like there could be somebody in the middle who may have a negative impact on a customer when you're providing great technology. 
with you with with the folks at Sada, we always know you're the best in the business when it comes to Google Cloud. No, I think look, you've done a great job of reading the tea leaves, and also like the overt signals from Google about where they're going and what they want to be good at, and and making sure that you're supporting things like SAP and and, and Kubernetes and GKE, et cetera, et cetera. But I also want to talk about how you're not just fast following, you're actually leading and innovating. And I'm thinking particularly around the more recent threat of cyber attacks, like like state-sponsored at scales and velocity we've never seen before, a true existential threat to so many companies. Restoring your data in those situations is critical, which is where Haiku certainly plays a role. But I want to talk about our score and how that's taking almost now a much more proactive approach of like, how do we prevent this from happening in the first place? And how can we make it simple to evaluate yourself, patch, patch the holes in your process and systems? Can we talk about our score, our, our score specifically? Because I'm actually really excited about it. Yeah, no, I am as well. And, and obviously, Sada and Haiku are partners on our score, which makes it even more exciting. Um, but the R score initiative really came out of, you know, some thinking we did around the colonial pipeline disaster. Uh, and I, I call it a disaster because, you know, for all of the folks affected, um, it really, I think, shone a very bright light on what can happen in the worst case of the ransomware attack. You know, we always think about shutting, you know, business continuity and, you know, people being out of business on an average of 16 days, that is all terrible from an economic perspective. But now let's think about hospital systems that get shut down, patients that can't, you know, medical records that can't be transferred, surgeries that then don't get operated. I mean, we're talking about life and death here, Tony. And so, so we really started to sit down and say, as data protection vendors, we are really on the front lines here. And in fact, in some ways, you know, I used to say that backup, the backup and recovery space was almost... Uh, elevated from a position of a second-class citizen pre-COVID to a first-class citizen post-COVID because of the role we play in recovering data upon a ransomware attack. And so I thought a lot about this, the obligation, the moral imperative that was created behind this idea that, wait, so it's our company. It's, it's actually us. It's our folks. It's our ecosystem that is responsible for helping people get back their data and not having to pay the bad guys. And I thought, my goodness, if we really do have, if we really do what we say we do, which is, you know, wanting to protect people, you know, believing that everyone deserves to be protected, then as a data protection vendor, what can we do to actually help? And, you know, um, my team came up with this idea of R-Score and you go to getrscore.org and effectively it's like a credit score that ranks your company's ability or your organization's ability to recover your data upon a ransomware attack. And, and, you know, obviously I called you and we started talking about it. I called Kevin Mandian and we started talking about it. I called Craig Abode at Kerasoft. We started talking about it. And we all sort of got together and created this collective uh, in, in a way to say, hey, this is a true public service. We're not doing this because we're trying to make this into a marketing event. We're not doing this just to win new customers. Obviously, there's a brand awareness component into it. It's not 100% altruistic, but the reality is it was not designed for commercial success. It was designed to truly help companies and organizations, you know, to become better at fighting these bad guys when they come in the gates. You know, what we always say, it's not if, it's when. 
You know, it's going to happen. Uh, ransomware attacks are now happening every 11 seconds, every 11 seconds. And so when you think about, you know, the massive amount of attacks going on, I think you and I both agree that anything we can do to help organizations get better at recovering, that's a good thing. It's the right thing to do for our customers and the world at large. Absolutely. Look, we have tons of customers in the healthcare space. Many of them have experienced this sort of attack. And look, the advice for so many years generally has been just pay them. That was the option. Like I used to have, you know, friends with smaller businesses or whatever, like Tony, this just happened. I was like, just pay them. Like there was no thought around recovery in this way that was independent and separate from the affected infrastructure itself. Right. And I think the combination of running as much as possible on GCP or, you know, the, the threat uh, vector, by the way, often is email. So we have customers who are on workspace who are way better off than sort of any other platform on premise or not. Um, famously, you know, do you remember if you remember the Sony attack many, many years ago, that's probably the most high profile for, you know, of the decade then. But um, the only part of Sony that didn't go down was Imageworks, who was on workspace, you know, with SADA and with Google. But so that's a sort of a starting point, but then the ability to then restore independently in a way that, you know, these parties don't have a chokehold uh, where lives can be at stake, but of course they don't care, right? Like that, that I think gives every IT operator such a higher, much higher degree of uh, confidence, especially if they're doing things like testing their ability to restore actively, they're, they're doing things like the R score assessment. So again, I think innovation in this space has been lagging for a long time. It's really great to see that the, the thought leadership that Haiku is providing in this space, especially in the way like R score, R score is not about running Haiku. It's to your point, it's like a public service with of course benefits to Haiku because you're the thought leader doing it, leading it. But I love how you've, it's sort of a dot org. <laughs> initiative yeah, it is. Itself, right? It really is. You know, and that feels really good. And, and, you know, the other thing I would say is just that, you know, we, we, we call it PDR, you know, prevention, detection, uh, recovery. And, and if you look at almost all of the investments that have gone on in the marketplace, they're on the P and the D, right? So everybody's talking about effectively building a big moat around your castle and saying, my moat is big enough. The bad guys aren't going to get back. Get, they will not get in. And I think I think it's time that the market stopped that and said, no, they're going to come in. No matter how big that mode is, they're going to get in at some point. Oh, if you're a target, if you're a serious target, we've seen State Department. I mean, there's almost nothing you can do. I mean, there's a bunch of there's, we're more empowered now. Google itself. We have other, you know, uh, SOC 2 management platform customers and partners like Sysiv with Google, with Chronicle and other sort of. Uh, beyond core and there's ways to do it better and protect better than in years before but they're getting unlimited resources to deploy these attacks now and i think it's just very very hard to stop so i think if you're a especially high profile organization but really we you know any size organization um it, it truly is a matter of when and uh knowing that you can restore and be up and running is is just existential. And, and I think because folks like Haiku have made it easy, meaning like there's no excuse not to do it. 
it, it becomes an obligation, like a fiduciary responsibility to, to do exactly I mean, the we, kind we of... We don't even, and you were there in the room when we made this decision, I think, Tony, we don't even capture the customer details on their tests. And I, I, I'm really proud of the, the or both of our decisions to do that, or to not do that, rather. Because by do a lot of folks said, well, you know, you could just make this a marketing thing, gate the yeah, lead gate generation the and, purely, you know, right? Yeah, know exactly who's you know coming there. And we said, no, 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 we're never going to store these test results because these are the vulnerabilities of these companies. I don't actually want to know who they are. I want this to be private for them. You know, there's other things you can do on the site. You can download white papers, et cetera, and enter an email address. But it's in no way connected to your your test results. It, in fact, we actually say, and, I, and this is so old fashioned, it actually says print your test results uh, <laughs> because we don't store it anywhere. And we've had some folks call and say, um, say, well, can I can you send me the test results? And we don't have them. You know, it's not stored intentionally because that would be an additional vulnerability for these companies. And we again want this to be a true public That's service. So smart, you know. And I think, look, customers are like they know how to sense authenticity. And that's, I couldn't think of a more authentic approach. And I'm sure the long-term benefit of that is probably, and I hope, lots of leads. I know we have leads just from doing it the authentic way, you know? Yeah. I, I really, I love, and this is one of the things, again, I, I keep saying how much I like working with Sada. I think your whole team and our whole, my whole team, you know, the community that is Haiku and Sada they represent a lot of the same core values. You know, it's very much a customer partner first approach. Um, I can't I can't count at this point the number of calls we've had where one or the other of us, you know, wants our teams to do something differently, and and we just do it. You know, I know you do it, I do it. Um, there's a genuine sense of you know what's best for the customer. Let's just make it happen. Um, and I think I think that's been lost in a lot of the industry, and it's it's great to see that Wasada. I think it's really really special. Long term thinking. You know, it's sort of like the Simon Sinek forever game mindset, which probably is the reason you've seen the success you've seen. And I think we've, we've done what we've done for 21 years now, still growing, you know, very rapidly. But I think what's really exciting is when we when we connected was also on the cusp of something really novel and new for us, but really for the industry. The definition of what a partnership and alliance could look like in the world of GCP is truly special. So I'm so proud that you're one of our first set of handful of alliance partners. Up until last year, we were almost, you know, exclusively focused on the Google relationship. But then the Google relationship really sort of injected us and introduced us with a set of super interesting companies who were interested in running their own businesses on GCP but also wanted more out of the relationship than just the standard wonderful things that MSPs do. Yes, SADA is going to provide great support. Yes, they're going to provide great technical account management and, and all of that. But the idea that Haiku as a customer and as a partner of SADA's can be oriented towards not just the technical and the commercial and, and all those other constructs, but a new construct focused on growing the Haiku business itself which, by the way, also grows our business because it grows a Google business. Like that is such an that I'm I'm just I get more excited about every day because I'm starting to see the results of Nikki Harley's work and that and that uh, uh, relationship with 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 Haiku and, and others. Tell me about the alliance. Like I know it's still very new, but 
Yeah, of I'm course. I'm so excited about it because I feel like we're inventing new business models. No, it's so true and it's awesome. And, and kudos on my side to Jamie Gruner uh, and Sabaya Syndrome who've done so much work. But I'll tell you, one of the things that I love about you know the SADA relationship is every time folks come back from meetings with the SADA folks, the, the commentary is not, you know, well, we told them that we're going to do this and then they're going to do this for us. That's never the case. Instead, it's things like, hey, we were sitting in the meeting and we started talking about how SADA customers are starting to move more and more to containers, for example. And, and I remember an actual conversation with Miles Ward, uh, you know, one of your, your fabulous, uh, uh, you, you know, top of your, your, your CTO there. Um, and, you know, obviously one of the world's leading Google experts. And, you know, we're in a meeting with him and he said, I think this is great. You know, what are you doing with GK and Kubernetes? Let me walk you through what our customers are doing with it. And, and it actually helped, you know, Gore and our CTO to see a new pathway for how we could do a GKE integration. And we launched it six months later, you know, I think in half the time that we expected. Um, and we were able to then put that to customers and, and SADA customers were already buying it. And so, so what I love about that is it's a true sort of, you know, goodwill story where, you know, your technical expertise, our technical expertise, you know, common desire to do right by the customer all led to a series of economic wins for both companies. And, and I think that is super rare. This base of customers we have that we've been building for so many years and the fact that we are sort of tip of the spear in the ecosystem with Google, seeing a diverse set of challenges, different environments. I think part of the skill we've developed because our, our business requires that we retain, like our business model needs us to retain 99% of our customers and win a bunch of new ones every year. Like if we don't do those two things, we can't grow. We've developed the ability to listen to them really well. And they certainly are driving a ton of our strategy, our offering. I mean, alliances was like, we listened to our SaaS customers and what they wanted, right? And that's how SaaS was, uh, the Alliance program was born. But the fact that now we can bring that and share that with our top partners, who are also our GC customers like Haku, I think that's a, that's a beautiful, um, message. And by the way, it helps us increase our value proposition to our own customers because we are responsible for being their guides to this complex, ever-changing labyrinth of cloud, right? It's changing all the time. There's new challenges all the time. There's new opportunities and threats all the time. If we can say, hey, in one of our regular reviews with our customers, we have QBRs all the time, right? It's part of our value proposition. It's like, you're weak here. Aha, we already have pre-selected best-in-class solution for that. Here's Haiku, very powerful, absolutely makes us look great to our customers, helps in our line strategy. And, um, you know, we're, we're relatively choosy on, like, who becomes part of this alliance uh, framework. You were very choosy. I remember that, Tony. You were no. very choosy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, we want best-in-class. And I know, Simon, and you know, there's only so many conversations a year I can have with, with my customers. So how do I slot in just the best set of um, recommendations? I, I think is a really important part of our, our value. We're not going to waste our time with a bunch of noise or just upsell. Like that's not our idea. Um, Haiku slots in there so well, so well. And and thank well, you thank because you it's, it's making us look good to our customers as well. Well, I really appreciate that. I know the whole team appreciates it as well. Um, I think the thing that I love about this too is that you know, Haiku, through our migration technology and our application discovery and recovery, we move workloads a lot faster to the cloud. And, you know, 
we were talking about this yesterday, but it's almost like 2020, we were calling it, you know, the age of the year of migration. And I think 2021 was um, sort of the year of understanding or the year of awareness where people were trying to figure out, you know, what this was all about. What does this new world look like? Right. I think 2022 is going to be the year of modernization. I really do. And I think that what, what we're going to see, and, and I know your team believes this and you believe this as well, um, is that people are going to go, they're going to make much bolder and more sophisticated moves to cloud. It's not going to be just, I'm going to lift and shift. It's going to be, I want to lift, <laughs> but I want to convert it, modernize it and deploy it differently in cloud so I can do better faster. And I think what I love about the SADA Haiku relationship is we facilitate that together because we can do the auto migration we can, you know, convert through GKE to containers. You know, the SADA team can guide all of those customer journeys from on-prem to public cloud and Google, and you can make it all work the right way. And so it really does kind of feel like the perfect match, not just for our two companies, but also for our customers at this point in time. And I think that's very exciting. Definitely. I mean, this is, a, again, a type of construct and relationship that I think only truly exists in the world of Google Cloud. And that's why we love them as partners. Um, we're extending that to how our customers and partners like Haku are building on top of, of, of Google Cloud. Um, what are a couple of things that you feel like, and you are very well versed in all the hyperscalers, you work with them. What are a couple of things that you feel that Google Cloud does uniquely, uniquely well? And then if you had a wish list, like what would you wish for them to do in 2022? Yeah. So the one thing that I, I really think they do well is partner, actually. I think um, they are the third leg of the, the Haiku Sada stool, right, um, in many ways. And, and, I, and I, I, I've always appreciated, you know, we worked with Manvinder Singh a lot in the early days. Um, and, but when they first came to us and they, they came to us and they said, look, there really isn't a true marketplace data protection service that you can just turn on and go. You know, would you build that? Um, and, and from that very early approach, we realized that while they are the fastest growing, you know, hyperscaler, um, they're also uh, in some ways a bit of a blue ocean from an ecosystem perspective. And I think they understood early on that they could really differentiate themselves if they built tighter, more interlocking solutions with their with their vendors. Um, we found them to be terrific at that, and, and they've done a really good job. The second piece that I really like is what we touched on earlier, which is they embraced the idea of multi-cloud and didn't reject it, right? And it's sort of, it's sort of um, I always think in my head about, you know, how we learn more about our competitors when we embrace the fact that they exist. If we pretend they don't exist, you know, we live in a vacuum and we actually lose some of that innovation. It's like the American car companies in the 80s where all the executives drove American cars and they didn't realize what was happening in the European markets, um, and I think obviously they've learned from those mistakes and they've changed that. We still see it in technology, though. We still see this sort of myopic view that this is the way the world's going to be. I love that Thomas Curian sort of came in and, and really started to say, A, this needs to be enterprise and they're, they're, the enterprise is going to be really important. But B, we need to understand that companies are going to invest in multi-cloud. We just need to dominate the multi-cloud industry. And I think in so, so doing, they've been much more honest with their customers, frankly. Um, I think they've been more honest with their vendors. And I think it's created a very, very authentic relationship, you know, across the ecosystem. They talk about partners first, top down, uh, TK, Rob, Kirsten, like everybody, right? Including 
Kevin and Sperani's org, like they're it's it's been very authentic from that standpoint, not just the roles of MSPs and and systems integrators, but uh, but really the ecosystem around. Like that's why uh, they they're taking marketplace more seriously than ever before. They and, and they're very different than let's say like someone like Microsoft who's like not going to build so many of the SaaS solutions themselves, right? But they want every SaaS company to live on GCP and they want to make all the recommendations as to uh, why uh, that, that should be the case. And if you had one sort of wish list, what would that be? You know, I, I think one of the areas that, that needs to be promoted more heavily goes back to our score and the ransomware recovery piece. You know, the, the, the medical and healthcare sector is huge for Google Cloud. And I, I do believe that they they need to uh, work a little bit more tightly with companies like Haiku and Sada to make sure that their ransomware recovery story is integrated across the vendor ecosystem. And I think there are some some areas where even in terms of the way they're educating their customers, that needs to be woven into the fabric of that onboarding uh, a little bit more deeply than it is today, because the technology is there. You know, I always tell people you know, invest in Google Cloud security services. They're great. They do a phenomenal job, but make sure, I think they need to make sure that they don't silo the securities in the public cloud sector of the business. And they really, you know, create a narrative that's holistic around ransomware recovery and talk, you know, talk end to end about how that can affect them and affect their customers. And I think the more open they are to that, uh, the better off their customers will be. It's great advice. I'm sure uh, we'll be sharing this with uh, with all the leaders at Google <laughs> who may have an influence <laughs> on this. They're, they, I hope they all, uh, I know many of them listen to, to Cloud and Clear. Uh, we uh, have such an honor of having folks like you uh, on the show, driving the thought leadership, driving the narrative forward. And um, I thank you so much for being, um, for being on, on Cloud and Clear. I can't wait for this episode to go out and see you soon. Such a pleasure, Tony. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.